Good morning, church. Let's all stand. Welcome. We're going to close out this year with more of the Lord. Amen. He has more for us even in the last hours of 2023 to launch us forward into 2024, into all that he has for us. Amen. We open up our hearts to you, Father God. We open up our minds to you, Father God. Our lives are open before you, Father, as we bow down before you. We claim, we proclaim your majesty. We proclaim your kingship, your lordship over our lives, Lord Father God. We bless your name. We worship you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have defeated sin and grave, Lord Father God that you have called us into victory. Father God, I pray that confidence arises this day, that faith arises this day by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, Lord. We thank you that you are here with us. We are, we are so grateful, Lord, for your presence, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship together. stand against your mind you've always been with us every battle you've already won we've already won come on there is no weapon that has ever defeated you there is no army with the power to conquer truth you've always been with advancing at the speed of light and in his kingdom every dead thing is bound to rise oh god our redeemer he is faithful to revive oh he will revive come on church show me one thing show me one thing he can't do show me Let's declare that 
all of our fear we turn into praise because we know who our God is. Amen. So all of my fear I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance. I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. All of my fear I will turn into praise. Shake off despair as I sing out your name. A victory dance. I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every chain. what to do with our fear going into 2024 and just so we remember what we do with our disappointment going into 2024 this is where we live we position ourselves in worship we position ourselves we anchor ourselves in praise all of my fear I will turn into praise Shake off despair as I sing out your name A victory dance, I will dance out in faith I will crush disappointment and break every chain All of my fear I will turn into praise Shake off despair as I sing out your name A victory dance, I will dance out in faith I will crush disappointment
that I saw this week. Pastor David, for his birthday, we took him up to Bodega Bay. We went hiking. And as you were hiking up across, alongside the ocean, you came to a place and there was about 0.1 tenths of a mile up, you would see the pinnacle or the horizon, a beautiful view. But there was a little boy as we were descending and they were ascending, there was this little boy with his parents who was tired. He's like, you know what, mom and dad, I want to turn around. And we knew coming down from the mountain what he would miss if he turned around. The reward that he would not receive if he turned around. And the Lord was reminding me of this. He was saying there are hidden rewards for you. There are rewards that you don't see. But the Lord says, if you just keep moving forward, if you just keep going, you may feel tired. You may feel like it's not worth it. You may feel like I can't persevere one moment longer. But the Lord says, keep moving forward. I have hidden reward for you. The world will tell you to turn around. Your flesh will tell you I'm too tired. But the Lord says, I'll give you the strength to keep moving forward because I am not pleased with those who shrink back. I want you to have the reward. Do you realize the Lord wants you to have the reward? But you're going to have to keep moving forward. There are hidden rewards for you, but there's something you've got to do. You've got to press in. You've got to say, you know what, body? I may feel tired emotions I may feel tired I may feel like I want to quit I don't want to try any longer I don't want to do this any longer I'm tired of seeking I'm tired of knocking I'm tired of believing I'm tired of waiting whatever you may say but the Lord says keep moving forward there is a reward show me something he can't do now I'm telling you this because I've been places of rewards. Pastor David and I descended down that mountain. No one, little boy, if you keep going, you're going to see something you've never seen before. And when you go back to your school, you can tell your friends what you saw. You can tell them the waves that you saw. You can tell them the coastal horizon that you saw. You can tell them that you scaled the mountain. But this is a thing you've got to keep moving forward. And some of you, that is a word for you today. Keep moving forward. Believe the Lord. There is hidden reward. Come on, let's see. Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He's a God of the breakthrough. Anything is possible. So show me, show me one thing that you are. Show me waters you can't buy. He's a God of the breakthrough. Anything is possible. Come on, show me. Show me one thing you can't do. Show me a mountain you can't move. He's the God of the breakthrough. 
the Lord this morning? You know, thinking about the word, you can be seated for a moment. You know, the words of that song are a declaration of not just where you're at, but where you want to be. And God wants you to need him, not just when everything's going bad, but all times. In the good and the bad, the Lord wants you to need him. And I was thinking about, you know, that illustration my wife gave about that young boy. You know, a lot of times the Lord is pushing us into something that he wants us to get into something a little bit more intense with. And we're like, you know what, I, I'm comfortable here. I, I'm comfortable halfway up the hill. I don't want to have my victory. I, I want to have just enough to get on by. And God's calling us as people to walk into a new level of intensity with him. You know what, I love the end of the year because, you know, you look, I don't know about you do this, but my birthday's the 28th of December. And so every year, my wife, we sit down for my, my birthday meal, and she'll ask me, what are your goals for the next year? And it's easy because I've looked at the whole year. And my challenge for you as people is to say, what is your goal for 2024? What is it that you need the God that is the same God yesterday is the same God today that he wants to do? What area of breakthrough do you need in your life? If you could say, Pastor, there's three things I want to see changed in 2024. What would it be? More power in the Holy Spirit. Who else? Come on. Don't be shy. Salvation. Salvation of family members that aren't walking with the Lord. All right. How about healing? How many of you need the Lord to touch your body in a supernatural way? You know, God, this is one thing we, we don't think of. The same God that spoke light into darkness is the same God that dwells within you. Think about that. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is the same God that dwells in you. And I had someone send me an email this week, and they wanted to know, in a passage in the Old Testament, they wanted to know, who is the angel in this story? And the angel actually was, the, it was the first, the first written portion in the Old Testament where God the Father reveals his son Jesus all the way back in the Old Testament letters and in the Old Testament that's the same God that dwells in you the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you the same spirit that healed the blind eyes can open up blind eyes of family members as you're praying for them the same God that touched the leper and they were made perfect is the same God that can touch your body. You know, we don't serve a past tense God. We serve a present tense God. We serve not just a present tense, but also a future tense because he sees the beginning and the end of everything that we go through. And God wants you to press in this next year. You know, as, as we come to a close of a year, I just want you to lay out some things before the Lord. You know, you may need to grab one of the communication cards and just write down some things the Lord's speaking to you right now. Because, you know, it's really easy in the moment when you're in the presence of the Lord to sense his presence. But then, what was I going to say? I just forgot what I was going to say. How many of you do that? Why do you think scripture says over and over, remember this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I want to challenge you as we enter this new year. God's got some great things in store for you. You know that? 
I was, I was reading in, in Scripture just this morning in my office in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 16. It's kind of cool because we always do the Daniel fast at the beginning of the year. And why do we do the Daniel fast at the beginning of the year? Well, it's, it's, for, it's for intermittent cleansing. No. It's not because we've all eaten too many C's candies over Christmas. It's not because we've had too many tamales, you know, not because of that. It's because we want to start off the new year drawing near to God. You know, it's interesting when, when Jesus was teaching and he, he gathered together and he was, he was confronting some of the religious mindsets of his day. And in Jesus' day, the religious mindset, you were really good religiously if you fasted and you prayed and you gave your alms or you gave your offerings to the Lord. And it's interesting because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, I don't know if you could pull that up, Lauren. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 16. I, sorry, I didn't give it to you. But in Matthew 6, 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he tells them that not if you guys so choose to fast someday, but in the version that I was reading, it said, and whenever you fast, which is the assumption that you will fast, that he says, I want you to fast, not to drive fast, but to abstain from certain things to draw close to me. And I, I, I don't know what version I, I, I read this from this morning. I was reading from two or three versions, but it says, do not look dismal. You know what dismal is? Dismal is the look I had after Mississippi State beat Penn State. That's, that, I was dismal. It was the look that Alabama's going to have after Michigan beats them this weekend. Okay? Roll Tide, Roll Tide. I, I hear you. He says, don't look dismal. Don't look like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces as, uh, so as to show others they're fasting. You know what that is? suffering for God. You should have pity on me. It's miserable serving the God who created the universe. That's not what, that's not the way we're supposed to fast. He says, but I tell you truly, they have already received their reward. And as you continue to read that text in scripture, one of the things it says, it says, it says, put oil on your hair. Now, I don't have to worry about that. I, I, I'm pre-oiled. But what it's basically talking about is combing your hair. Don't look disheveled. Don't look, you know, actually in the time of Christ when people would fast, they would put on sackcloth and they would take ash and throw it on themselves so they, they look disheveled. Jesus is saying, that's not the way we want you to fast. We want you to fast looking good. And when you're fasting, you do it as unto the Lord. And I, I love when you read through Scripture because Jesus doesn't give us all these technical things to fast, you know. You, if you want to learn how to fast by Jesus, he's, he says, do, do two things. The first thing is clean yourself up. Just look normal. Now, for some of us, that's more of a challenge than others. Okay? You know, we're like in Young Frankenstein. It was like the brain. It was the Abby something, Abby normal. No, not, that's not the way you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be normal. Just look the way you normally do. Right? Just do what you normally do. You don't have to put on some sort of spiritual pretense when you fast. And then he says, the second thing, when you do it, do it as unto the Lord. Because when you do it as unto the Lord, the Lord rewards what you do in secret, and he'll bless you. And when you're fasting, what we're doing is we're just calling out the Lord. And one of the things I love about doing our Daniel fast as a community of faith 
God always does spiritual breakthroughs for those that Daniel fasted. And it doesn't matter if you are a new believer, you're a long-time believer, it doesn't matter if you're brand new to the faith, you don't even know what it, it means to fast. But as you sacrifice something to the Lord and you give up that time you normally spend on food prep or you give up those certain foods that you, you, you abstain from, you're saying, Lord, I'm giving myself unto you today. And as I give myself unto you for these 21 days, Lord, I want you to do something in my life. The same God that spoke to Mary is the same God that will speak to you. The same God that spoke to David and slayed giants in David's path will be the same God that will slay some of the giants that you have in your path that you're trying to overcome, that you just you can't seem to get that foothold where you're, you're getting the traction moving forward. The Lord says, I want to move forward in your life. You know, I, I love Scripture because it really challenges you in where you're at. And the one thing that God is not about is about you staying in the same place you were December 31st, 2022. God wants you to move forward. You know, a couple years ago, we were in Israel, and we were in the city of uh, David, which is low, and we decided to take a pathway up to the taller part of Jerusalem, the higher part by the, by the western wall. And we decided to be smart to go through one of the tunnels. And as we're going through the tunnel, the tunnels are like only about this big. We're going through and a lady is in there. She's giving a family with two little kids a, a tour. And she stopped and she's talking about the, the water flow system through the rocks. And we're in there bent over, and, and, and we're all panicking because we're stuck in this cave. And my wife looked at her, and she's, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. And that has been our theme as a family for the last couple years, that we just look at each other when something starts stalling, and we go, keep it moving, keep it moving. And that's what the Lord is saying to you for 2024. Don't stay where you're at. Don't let moss grow on you. Don't be a person that says, you know, I'm content with what I had with God in 2020. I'm content with what I had with God in 2015. God says, I am a new God for you this year. I want to take you into a new season. I want to take you, the, the, the same God back, back there wants to take you into something new this year. So, Lord, right now we just come to you. We ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would just touch our minds. And God, remind us of what you want to do in our lives. God, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would, you would pull us forward. We'd not be like that little boy that's nine-tenths of the way to the victory, and then he stops and says, I've had enough. I want to be content here. Lord, I pray that we would press in in 2024. No matter how long we've been in the faith, no matter what obstacles have been placed in our way, no matter what challenges we may have had, we pray, Father, that we would be men and women of faith that would move forward, that we'd keep it moving, that we'd keep pressing into you, that we keep learning more about you, that, Lord, you would reveal yourself. As Scripture says, new every morning, great is your faithfulness, that, God, you would show yourself to us as men and women of faith, taking us into a new season, taking us into deeper depths, Take us into new revelation of what you're teaching us through the Word of God. Leading us and guiding us by your Spirit 
to overcome things in our life that have been challenges and been obstacles and have been keeping us back. And Lord, we will do that to glorify you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Now I'm going to pick on somebody. Can I do that? Come here, Christine. Come here, girl. are good. We just keep moving forward with the kids. That is where the Lord is placed me for this time. You know, when I got there, there was many things that he had me doing. And then it really just streamlined to the kids and families and providing resources for them, right? Um, for homes, for freedom, things that everyday things that they're struggling with, just to let them know they are the righteousness of Christ. You know, when we teach people their identity and who they are, then they walk more in who they are, right? We don't have to manage who we're dead to. I think a lot of times we're trying to manage sin, and I'm like, no, you are royalty. And teaching them to, to discover who you are and how do you walk that out in everyday living. So it continues to be such a blessing in a, in a I don't want to say dry, but kind of dry religious region and that's where the Lord has me right now to bring greater freedom. Sometimes we don't want to go where the Lord has us. We want to be with the free people but he's saying actually every once in a while I need someone to go to bring freedom to a region. So it's a gift but it's always great to be home and see family. Hey let's let's pray for Christine. Why don't you extend a hand towards her. We love her. She's one of the daughters of this house. Lord we pray for your daughter right now that Lord she would continue to be a fire starter to the youth, to the families, to those in need in Pella and areas surrounding. Lord, I pray for a double portion of your anointing on her in 2024. Lord, I pray that you would be the God of peace, the God of comfort, and the God of empowerment for Christine's life. That you are Jehovah Jireh, her provider. And Lord, we just surrender her to you. We thank, thank you for her, Lord. Thank you that we could have her as part of the ministry team globally that you have called forth to draw people closer to you. And Lord, let her know that this house always loved her. We pray for her. We support her. We believe in her. And Lord, we just commit her to do greater things in 2024 than she's done in 2023. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Love you. All righty. Why don't you all stand? Why don't we greet one another? Say hi to someone. Introduce yourself to someone you may not know.
is good, isn't he? Don't you, aren't you glad you're part of an extended family? That, you know, as a believer, we're never by ourselves, you know? And that's a beautiful thing. We're glad you're here this morning. If you're a guest or visitor, we'd welcome you. Uh, if you have not given us any of your information, if you'd be so kind to. Uh, a couple things going on this week because today is the last Sunday of the, the year. Uh, we'll be giving out our giving reports, uh, those of you that gave for tax purposes. But if you've changed your mailing address, uh, if you could give us that, just drop, drop it on the communication card. The offering will come by in a minute. You can drop it in. Uh, we also do our Friday newsletter. If you don't get that, we send the newsletter out every Friday telling you what's going on, and it's a good way to get information. We have a lot more information there uh, than we do on a Sunday morning. So what we have coming up, I mentioned it, uh, our Daniel Fast. Every year for the last 12 years, we've done a Daniel Fast at our church. If you don't know what a Daniel Fast is, it's from the Old Testament where Daniel went uh, to the king of Nebuchadnezzar and he said, look, I want to eat the foods that are dedicated to my God. And basically what it is, it's a fast that we do each year. And it's for 21 days. It doesn't mean you fast everything for 21 days, but you basically eat just vegetables and uh, water, uh, I, fruit, whole grains, uh, Mark Perry gets whole, whole bean coffee. Uh, some of you have a hard time giving up caffeine. We absolve you from your caffeine addiction. You could drink it. You know, one thing about this fast, it's not, it's not to be a legalist, okay? It's not about, oh, oh, I, I, I had a, a business luncheon and I went out and I, I had a morsel of bacon. No, it's, that's not what it's about, okay? It's about you dedicating yourself to the Lord and using your time in the first few weeks of the month to dedicate to the Lord. Uh, we have a devotional guide. Uh, I printed 50 of them this morning. Uh, they're out on the foyer on the table. Uh, they're laying flat because the printer was acting up and it print five, six, seven copies and then jam. And so uh, uh, they're out there. Also, if you're online, if you're more digital, you can go to our homepage and under resources, if you click on the resource tab, pull down under Daniel Fast, there's recipes there, there's all kind of stuff. But this is a kind of a good way for us as a community of faith to all be doing the same thing at the beginning of the year. There's a daily devotional in it. You can take it and go through and read it. These are yours. But it's a great way to draw near to the Lord as uh, the new year begins, okay? Uh, other things we have coming up, we are going to have uh, a baptism of the Holy Spirit retreat. Those of you that signed up, you should have gotten an email from Pastor Lynn yesterday or Friday. Uh, if you want more information, talk to either of us. Uh, that's going to be, uh, it's, it's right now we're full. We have 30, 35 people going. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, that's a great experience for us to draw near to the Lord. Uh, we also have the Thirst Conference coming up, which we do every January. Uh, and it'll, it'll be on the uh, 26th, 27th of, uh, of this month. Uh, we're also going to do a Thursday night for our global partners. It's a great opportunity for us to worship with them. And then that uh, Sunday, we'll break our fast. We're going to have Teen Challenge here. They'll be here with their choir. We're also going to have uh, Blessy and Nitin Sam from John Pergati in India with us. And uh, it's going to be a great opportunity here. The great things that God has done through this church to bless that ministry. And uh, if you don't know about John Pergati, you need to come to hear that. And then we'll break our fast together. Uh, in the fellowship hall, we'll have an international meal. So this is for your, your opportunity to, whatever 
comfort food you have, that's the day to bring it, okay? And bring it, and we'll celebrate a meal together, break fast together, and uh, celebrate with Nitin and Leslie and their family. They're in Texas right now and enjoying uh, being with some of their family in Texas. Uh, we're excited about that. And then our ministry partners for the week are two church planters uh, in northern India. These guys, oh, that we built that. That's Actually, that's last week's, I think. That's, we built, we paid for that. We paid for the Leotas. We, they thanked us for Christmas. Uh, but uh, our ministry partners for this week are uh, Malloy and R.T. Roy and their family. They are church planters in northern India, and they're in a real tough area. There's a lot of persecution going on uh, for brothers and sisters in India right now, and you need to keep them in your prayer. And then this is also a good time for you to get plugged into one of the life groups that we have at our church. If you're not plugged into a life group, that's a great connection. We have all sorts of life groups. We have some that are Bible studies, some that are walking, some that are uh, just fellowship. We have moms together. We have all sorts of them, young adults, young families, all of that, college career groups. It's a great way for you to connect to brothers and sisters in the Lord. So we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, we're going to wait upon you now for your tithes and offerings. If you uh, want to get any giving credit for this year, if you didn't uh, come today in service, or if you're watching online, you could give online, but uh, by tax law, we have to cut off all contributions uh, at midnight tonight. So if you're going to give online, do it online today, and you'll get credit for the 2023 uh, fiscal year if you need that. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the great things that you've done through us this year. I want to thank you for each person that's able to give and support the work of the ministry here and in California and around the world, Lord, and for the incredible things that we've done as an organization for your glory and for your honor. And I pray that you bless both the gift and the giver. Those that are giving out of need, Lord, we pray you'd meet all their needs. I pray you show yourself to be faithful. Show yourself to be Jehovah Jireh with them. And Lord, to those of us that are giving out of plenty, I pray that you'd give us more so that we could do more for your kingdom. Let us never use the money that we have just for ourselves, but let us sow into the nations so that the nations will hear and come to faith. And Lord, we bless this offering, bless the board, the pastoral staff, the ministry leaders that use these funds. May we be good stewards and managers of them in Christ's name. What a day to be here in the house of the Lord, because you are going to be launched into 2024 in just a few hours. 
You're going to be launched into it. You know, 2023, I, I like to, one of the things David and I did this week is what were the three adjectives that describe 2023? Something to think about. Don't give a whole phrase, but in your head, what were the three adjectives? Do you know what an adjective is? Yeah. Uh, David's all, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, descriptive words to describe what your 2023 was. I mean, being real honest with yourself. Very important to be honest with yourself. One of the words that I said when David asked me was 2023 for me was very surprising. Surprising. I had some surprises, th things that I didn't know God was going to do that he did. I had a shaking in my own life, in my own core, in my own ministry where the Lord challenged me to become, be different than what I was. The word change can be a scary word, but significant and central to our walk with the Lord is change. That we change, or the word that's used in scripture, we're transformed from glory to glory to glory. So there is change involved, but I had some surprising change because not only is there the trajectory of how we see God growing us, but there's also surprising change. Meaning I didn't expect God to do that or ask that of me. And for 2023, that is, was part of my journey. Going into 2024, we go with great anticipation because I believe God wants you to be stronger than ever in him. And the truth is this. Our goal here at Crossroads is not entertainment theology. God's done with entertainment theology. I'm not going to tell you what that means. You know what that means. He's done with you being entertained. You know, replacing good, solid word and character building, Christ character building for entertainment, for the feel-good messages, because the Lord wants you to be strong. You know, as we were sitting here and as we were worshiping, the scripture that came to my mind was Deuteronomy 33:25. It's not up here, but it's one of the last chapters of Deuteronomy, and it says, as your days are, so shall your strength be. As your days are, so shall your strength be. The Lord says, tell the people, you will have strength for your days. But you've got to stick with me. See, that was the scripture that God was giving to the people of Israel before they go into the promised land. As your days are, so shall your strength be. But if you leave him, you will not have his strength. There are so many believers so fearful of the world, so fearful of what the enemy's doing. Why? Because you think he has greater power than you do? No, you have greater power than he does. Because you have the Lord's power. You have his strength. And I have found, even in our journey of as we've grown in ministry, as we've grown in age, the Lord has not, our strength spiritually has not decreased, it's increased. Authority has not decreased, it's increased. As 
we've allowed the Lord to change us. As we've allowed the Lord to get rid of stuff that doesn't belong there. And that's the goal. You know, when I was in my journey in my academics, I had a person, you know, when you are in academic world, especially the higher academics, it's even no matter where, but, you know, they're always trying to tell you how you're to be. And one of the things in my doctoral program, you know, when I was communicating some of my passion about the Lord, my Holy Spirit passion, as you know, I had a person who was fairly, um, fairly influential tell me, but Lynn, you do not want to lose your audience. You need to tone it down. I've had more than one person say this to me. Didn't work, obviously. But tone it down because you don't want to lose your audience. The Lord reminded me of this. And I said, what audience? I have an audience of one. You're not my audience. I'm not going to tone it down. When he's pleased, why should I tone it down? But the world wants you to tone it down. You have an audience of one. You're going to go into 2024. What's the word? Lit. Lit. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. And you're going to have dominion. Now, a couple weeks ago, I started, um, when the children had their program, started um, a, a message called Things That Get in the Way, Unlawful Dominion. Today's part two of that. But for those of you that weren't here, I'm going to do a little bit of review of what is un unlawful dominion because you really can't look it up because it's a phrase that I coined or created. But it has to do when the enemy wants to be a squatter in your life. He has no rights to any area of your life. Do you hear me? The enemy has no rights to any area of your life. But the longer you allow him to remain in that area, the more entrenched he will become in convincing you that he has rights to that area. Jesus overthrew the enemy in every way. In every way. But believers, Christians, many times allow the enemy to have unlawful dominion. And today I'm going to tell you why. But we're going to go through, first of all, your rights as a believer because of what Christ has given to you. What he has done on the cross. See, Christ has received all authority. Matthew 28, 18, 19, it says this, because all authority was given to Christ, and therefore he said, now go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his believers. He's talking to his followers. There is a transference. There is a transference of authority that he has given to his children. Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. 
This is how you walk. This is how you overthrow the enemy. It's through the power and authority that Christ has given to you. Now, in 1 John 3, 8, this is the apostle of love. I love John. He's such a beautiful writer, many things that he says about Christ. But here he, he comes across some, some real tough stuff, too. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. He's an expert in it. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And then Jesus did his work on the cross, gave us his spirit. Therefore, the reason we go about this world is to destroy the devil's work. That's our job. We are his followers. We are to be on the offense, moving forward, not on the defense. Jesus says this, Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now he's standing in Caesarea Philippi. Pastor David referred to this last Sunday. The mouth to the underworld. It was in front of a cave. We've been there. The mouth to the underworld where they believed the spirit world would come from, the demonic world. It was a place where the, the god of Pan was supposedly at. And he stood there and he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now he's prophesying something here, but before that he talks about Peter. He talks about Peter on this rock, I will build my church. But Peter has just declared who Jesus is. He is, Jesus is prophesying the day of Pentecost. Then I'm going to build my church. Who stands up on the day of Pentecost? The birth of the church is the day of Pentecost. Who stands up and declares? Peter. And then, therefore, the church becomes a movement in the world, a force in the world, on the offense, not on the defense. And we carry that on. We are to go forth. You know, so many believers act like we are on the defense with the gate around us, rather than going towards what the enemy has gated under his lockdown that we are to take back. So they think Jesus is saying, build a gate around yourself and protect yourself from the enemy. No, you're to go back and take what the enemy has stolen and he says it belongs to him. He has unlawful dominion. But the enemy wants you to believe that you're to be on the defense protecting you in your own because he has this great power that's greater than your power. It's not true. So we're to go forth, we're to be his witnesses, we're to destroy the works of the devil, we're to build his church, we're on the move, we're to advance, we're to take ground, we're not to accept the gates the enemy has placed around things, do you hear me? We're not to accept the gates the enemy has placed around things, we're to tear down his strongholds, and we don't need to be soft on the enemy. You know, he like, he'll play any card he wants to get you to be soft on him. Victimized. 
Oh, victimized. I'm a victim to be soft on the enemy. You know, the enemy has convinced, and this is a trend, many believers, that he belongs in certain arenas. He's convinced them that he belongs in certain arenas. Sex is one of them, by the way. That's God's arena, by the way. That is not the enemy's arena, by the way. That's God's arena. But the enemy has convinced even many believers that that's his arena. And he is there unlawfully. He is there unlawfully. So what do I mean scripturally? What do I mean by unlawful dominion? This is some review. Colossians 2, 9 through 15. Here we go. Write this down. Come on. You're going you're gonna to need to meditate. I want this to be character building, not, not entertaining to you. Colossians 2, 9 through 15. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. You have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Who is Christ? In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Christ is the head over every power and authority, and you and I dwell in Christ. He has canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. In other words, you are no longer condemned by your sin. You are no longer condemned. Condemned means unchanged. You, you have to pay a penalty for it. You do not have to pay a penalty for your sin. It is forgiven. You are new. No longer do you have to allow these forces that stood against you to have power over you. Because they have been disarmed. They have been publicly humiliated. Do you realize that all these powers that were over you before you had Christ dwelling in you no longer has power and authority over you? No longer. You are not to allow the enemy to call the shots to rule and reign in areas of your life. He does not call the shots. You call the shots through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in your flesh. Now let me make sure you understand this. It's not in your flesh. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit in submission to him, in surrender to him, him as your Lord. You call the shots because Christ has given to you authority. See, Jesus was the forerunner for our dominion. This is also review. One of my favorite scriptures, and sometimes people just, um, just don't read it. Hebrews 2, 6 through 18. Talking about Jesus, the perfect priest, the perfect sacrifice, as well as the perfect example. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them, 
a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God let, left nothing that is not subject to them. You know, this is one of the most powerful scriptures. Who is he talking about? You. You. So when you're telling me something is, is dominating you, there's a problem. God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we see Jesus. Now, why does he say that? Because Jesus is our example. How Jesus lived is our example. How he had dominion and authority is our example. So we don't see everything subject to them, particularly physical death. In other words, our bodies are still wasting away. Right? I mean, if it's not, it'd be great. But we're aging. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, while now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Jesus and us are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. He broke the power of death and free those who, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he has had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted." The enemy's assignment of death is broken through Christ. And I'm not talking about simply that when we die, we have eternal life. That is true. But I'm talking about the enemy's assignment of kill, steal, and destroy while we live on this earth. Because this, this concept of death is not just physical death. And the enemy is all about killing, stealing, and destroying. And Jesus said, I'm going to exemplify dominion to you while I'm on earth. So that you know what it looks like to walk in power and authority. See, he became like us in every way. That's what the scripture says. He suffered so that through the Holy Spirit's power, he would have dominion over these things as our example. He was the perfect sacrifice, perfect priest, perfect example. And he paid the price for our restored dominion. Now, you know what? So many Christians don't believe that. You know what I mean? They, they say, they'll agree with me right now. Oh, praise the Lord. But when they go out there, they don't believe it because they don't live that way. 
So when something comes against them, they project that that thing has greater power than what they have within them. That is what I mean by not believing. See, this is later, the Hebrew writer goes into Hebrews chapter 3, and he talks about Israel not going into the promised land. If you remember the story, those who said, I'm too afraid, they saw the giants in the land, they saw themselves as grasshoppers, you remember the story, so they decided to stay back and wander in the desert for 40 years. They did not believe that God could give them victory over their giants. So they did not go into what Hebrews 3 talks about God's rest. Now, Scripture also talks about Christ's work. See, this word rest is being used in a different ways. When Jesus created the earth, on the seventh day he rested. In other words, he completed everything so that Adam and Eve could be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. He completed everything so they can walk in the victory of doing that until sin came into the world. Now Jesus comes back and says, okay, I am going to give my life, I am going to complete the work so that my children, just like Adam and Eve, but my children now can dwell in the rest. In other words, in my finished work, now they can have power and authority and dominion in their lives. Now, people don't like this because they think, I'm talking about Christians, they think it's a little too much, a little too much for humans. And yet, Scripture clearly says this. However, this is the thing. The thing is this. This power and authority only comes through our submission and surrender and fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is where people go wrong. They cherry-pick Scripture. I want power and authority, but I want to live fleshly. I want to talk fleshly. I want to think fleshly. I want to act fleshly, but I want power and authority. But the truth is this, you cannot have it both ways. When you walk in your flesh, you are surrendering or sacrificing the power and authority because you cannot be full of flesh and full of the Holy Spirit, which we know is true according to Romans chapter 8. Life in the spirit and life in the flesh are mutually exclusive. And what I mean by that is not that we don't live in a body. It means our sinful flesh. Letting our sinful desires be in control. See, Christ broke the power of the devil. The devil's assignment over humans. He broke it. And we're to walk in our daily life. This is how I want you to go in 2024. You're to walk in your daily life when you get up and say, Lord, teach me today to walk in dominion. I may not feel like walking in dominion. I may not emotionally feel it today. I may feel cranky. I may feel tired. I may feel this or that or the other thing. But Lord, it's not about how I feel. I do not let flesh Sir, I do not serve flesh. Flesh does not rule me. The world will tell me I cannot overcome certain things. The world will tell me I need to agree with them in certain ways, or unless I'm on the outs, or unless I'm, I'm uh, uh, unwise, or whatever you want to say. 
But Lord, you teach me today through the surrender to the Holy Spirit. That's why we're big on Holy Spirit because fullness of the Holy Spirit causes you to walk in power and authority, true power and authority. See, Jesus purchased this for us. He was the forerunner. He gave, us, gave it himself as an example. He says, now enter into my rest. Enter, and in that rest, actually that word rest means abiding. Enter into abiding with me as a person who walks in dominion, authority, power every day. But I'm going to say this. I would say most Christians don't do that. I'm being honest with you, people I know. I, and you know what? Maybe because they don't believe. Maybe they've never been taught. Maybe they choose to do it, their life in a different way. But I'm going to say, if you truly want abundant, overcoming life, as Jesus desires for you, you can walk in the overflow of the Spirit in such a way that when you face battles, this is not a battle-free life. I'm not telling you that you're going to have a battle-free life. I'm not telling you that there aren't going to be attacks against you. I'm not telling you that you're not going to feel broken or betrayed or other things in your life. I'm telling you in that moment, you have power and authority and dominion, not that you have to be cast down and destroyed by it. So why do people have unlawful dominion in their life? I'm going to say this. The enemy is counting on you not confronting him. He's, not, he's counting on you not confronting Actually, when you're listening right now, you have choice to confront yourself or not confront yourself. You have a choice to just spin it like, I don't, you know, want to go there. There's people who don't. That happens all the time. So he's counting on you not confronting him. He's counting on you. And I've heard people uh, talk about not doing certain things for the Lord because they're afraid of the pushback by the enemy. Well, I'm afraid if I minister in that way, the enemy's going to go after my family. You're fearful of the enemy. So all he has to do is come around and make you a little afraid, and you don't advance. Being fearful of the enemy. Ignoring him. Ignoring it. Ignoring the area that, and you know what you ignore is going to grow. If you ignore debt, it generally grows. If you ignore your calorie count, it generally grows. You understand what I'm saying. We can ignore things or we can start to partner. See, the enemy is counting on Christians having fleshly lifestyles. And you know what? Fleshly lifestyles are not just, well, it doesn't harm anybody else. Actually, fleshly lifestyles as believers are very harmful to others, not just yourself. It's harmful for your children, harmful in your marriage, harmful in your witness, harmful to those who are looking at the people of God saying, are you any different than us? And you know what? The enemy has a heyday 
when there are people who say they're different, but we find out they're not different because they're living a fleshly lifestyle. And the enemy has a heyday with that to, to provide a, a way for people seeking truth to no longer seek it in Jesus because that person represented Jesus. That's happening a lot. See, the enemy's counting on you welcoming something in your life so that he has resonance. Now listen, the enemy has no power over you. That's the whole point. And Christ has given you everything. When he was here on earth, he tells his disciples, Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth. I love that. You know, Jesus speaks in big words. Whatever. All power. Whatever. He doesn't say some, you know, within reason. No, he says whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Christ then goes to the cross, does his work for us. Ephesians 2, 6 tells us, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Where are you seated? Where are you seated? Daily, where are you seated? When I face something that feels overwhelming, I use the word feels. It feels overwhelming. It feels impossible. It feels discouraged. I go back to where am I seated? I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. Everything is under his feet. And if I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places and everything is under his feet, therefore everything is under my feet. Because I'm seated with him and all I have to do is say, God, this is not my problem, it's our problem. It's not my problem, it's our problem. What are we going to do about it? How do you want to solve this problem? Now, while we were worshiping the Lord said, tell them this. I'm not just about the destination. I'm about the process. And a lot of times we want God in the destination. In other words, the salvation of somebody. The deliverance of somebody from some type of lifestyle. The healing. But the Lord says this. You must give me the process. A lot of times we want to control the process, but we want a certain outcome. And the Lord is saying, you know what? I am not just about the outcome. I am in the process. And the process brings about the outcome. Where are you seated? When you face things, and you will. 2024, guess what? It's not going to be perfect. Guess what? You will have problems. You will have challenges. Expect them. But in the moment, you say, Lord, this is not my problem. It's our problem. And you are not only in the outcome, but you're going to help me and walk me through the process. So why do, this is a big question after being pastors for decades, why do Christians, I'm not talking about people who don't know Christ. I'm talking about people who, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit's in me, whatever. 
Why do they have or allow the enemy to have unlawful dominion? Why? 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 Because we talk about power and authority and all of this, and they quote scriptures, and they put it on their wall, and they go to Hobby Lobby. I've seen it. I've seen homes filled with scriptures on their walls. But they're walking in bondage. Why? And the Lord was saying, because they desire the world. They want that. They want the freedom, but they desire the world. Desiring the world is dangerous. And what I mean is desiring the ways of the world. Being like the world. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. And, and the, I, I, said, I think I said it a year ago, but a year later it's even greater. That the Holy Spirit in this time in history, he is separating groups. If sin's there, he's bringing it to the surface. He's separating groups. He's looking for his remnant. But the remnant of his children desire him. Do not desire the world. Listen, you're going to have to be separate. Yes, you are in the world. Yes, you're to be light. Yes, you're to be salt. Yes, you're to do good things. That's our assignment, to be healers, to be peacemakers, all those things. But you're going to have to be different. And if you think you can blend in with the world... And adapt with their values, it's going to produce dominion with the enemy. It will. Because the truth is this, and you know what? The word, this word, for about a couple decades now, when it was all about making everybody feel good and happy and coming in to the church, and if you have seen, nobody felt any conviction, and you know, like we don't want the Holy Spirit moving too much because he's not really a popular, cool person. I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you this. Sin is not your friend. Sin is not your friend. Sin leads to death. Sin does not benefit you. Me having sin in my life, you having sin in your life, the same sin, maybe we can even bond over it. Well, you're okay, I'm okay, so it's okay that we have this sin in our life is actually unlawful dominion that we're allowing. This has brought people back into bondage. I was talking to somebody very close to me who's a strong believer, who had a rebellion, was brought up in the faith, had a rebellious time, was a preacher's daughter. The enemy likes to go after preacher's kids, by the way. Um, and she told me this. She said, you know, there are people in my life when I was entering into rebellion, knowing I was going into rebellion, that they graced me into bondage. She, now, this is not my words. This is her words. They graced, I'm going to put quotes because, see, grace is not overlooking sin. Grace is free, has been given to us to free us from sin. Right? 
Grace has been given. Now I can overcome that. But she said to me, they graced me into bondage. In other words, it's okay. Go ahead. It's okay. And it got worse. And some of the things she ended up encountering and experiencing were very, if I would tell you, I won't because it's not my story to tell, but very destructive in her life. We are a people of grace. Jesus came to give us grace, to free us, free us from sin. He did not give us grace to say your sin's okay. He said, you're free. You're free. The enemy has no power. Sin has no power. You have greater power than that. You are an overcomer. You are victorious. Yes, you may have a battle. Yes, it may take some time. Sometimes when things have been entrenched in our life, it takes time. Yes, it takes process. But we keep moving forward. Keep moving forward for freedom, greater freedom, change, transformation, power, and authority over those things. Whatever kind of sin, sexual sin, fear, sick ways of thinking, debt, confusion, identity crisis, whatever kinds of things that come against us, we have freedom over those things because of Jesus. He has given us dominion. He has given us power and authority. You name it, he can free you from it. I am tired of hearing Christians tell me that there are certain things that people can't be free from. I'm tired of it. And you know why I'm tired of it? Because that's not what the Bible says. That's what you say. That's what the world says. That's what the the wisdom of the world says. But that's not what the Bible says. Whatever you face, you can be free from. You can. Not a popular message because it's not an easy message. You can overthrow anything that the enemy comes against you with to kill, steal, and destroy. His assignment, Jesus said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Hebrews, we just read it. Hebrews chapter 2. And I, he destroyed the power of death. That the enemy had over us. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. And not just a little life. But life to the full. Abundant life entering into my rest. What a beautiful message. What a message of freedom. What a message of authority. But we cannot agree with the unlawful dominion. Well, I'm not going to touch that. You know what I'm talking about. I don't need to touch that. The Holy Spirit has touched it. He wants to free people from it. Here. Unlawful dominion can arise from sympathy to sin. Sympathy. See, we have an interesting world because I'm not saying sympathy to people. Okay, let's separate some stuff here. We are to be people of love always. All kinds of people. Whether you agree with them or not, you love them. That is what we are. We're not people of hate. We're people of love. We're people doing good. We're people of healing. All those things. 
but not sympathy to sin. And this is what I mean. When we have sympathy with sin, we really are having sympathy with the author of sin. Do you realize that? We have sympathy with the one who authors it, who's behind it. Let's read Romans 8, 5 through 13. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin... The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit... But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. What's the last verse on that? But if by the Spirit, who puts? Who puts to death the misdeeds of your body? Who does? Me? Do I do that for you? No. You do it. I gave you the power to do it. Oh, Pastor Lynn, when the Lord gives me victory... Let me just watch my Netflix thing. He's going to give me victory. Some, maybe 2024. He might give me victory. I don't know. He said he's going to give me victory. You do something. You. He paid for it. Now you use it. He's given you the ability and the authority. So I was doing a reel. You know what reels are? Dangerous, toxic things at times. You know what I'm talking about? Those little, I don't know how many seconds they are, 15 seconds. I don't know. Youth would know what they are. So I was doing a reel, listening to a reel. (sighs) Maybe I need to be free from that. I don't know. We'll ask. I learned something. I learned some things from these reels, though, Um, whether they're good. But there was a heroin addict on this reel, and he was talking about becoming free from his heroin. And you know, as you know, heroin is a very addictive, um, poisonous drug. And he was talking about his relationship with his mother. And every time after he would go to rehab and come back, his mother was so codependent with him because she loved him, he would end up back on heroin. And he said this. This is his quote, and I don't think he was a Christian. If you baby an addict, you'll bury an addict. You can love a person to death. You can grace a person into bondage. Same thing, same concept. You can love a person. This is his words. You know, we have to, I, I know it's a difficult thing. 
it's a difficult challenge because we cannot, with the right spirit, love people unless we do it with the love of God. Because we will fall in to codependencies. We will fall in to ways of thinking that are from the world that may actually nurture the unlawful dominion. You must, I'm going to say this, it used to be, you know what, I recommend, but you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, truly filled. And when I say that, I mean surrendered. Your flesh is surrendered. You are submitted to the ways of God. See, it is dangerous to take, this is not a popular message. It is dangerous to take a light view on sin. Because sin, Scripture says, leads to death. It leads to destruction. It leads to harm. It's a seducer. It is a deceiver. And at least, so, and I'm not saying, yeah, you know what, when I get home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go call my kids. And I'm going to take a, I'm not going to take a light view on their sin. I'm not, you know what I'm going to say? Let's start with here. Let's not take a light view on this sin. Our own selves. It begins with us. That we're not harboring it. We're not excusing it. We're not nurturing it. Because we cannot overthrow the sin that so easily entangles us if we are not overflowing with the things of the Spirit. We must be people of the overthrow. But it happens through overflow. Let me just make a... a a point here. Don't get legalistic. Legalism is a false form of power. Well, you know what? Let's all get legal. Let's all dress a certain way. Let's all, you know what? Legalism is dangerous. Legalism is a fleshly form of control, a fleshly form of power. You know, I said Living life in the spirit, Romans 8 says that's how you're to live. But you know how Romans 8 begins? It begins like this, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Legalism has the spirit of condemnation on it. Legalism points and picks out the externals trying to change the internal. That is a problem for many people that were brought up in legalistic churches. They left the church because it was all about the external. And I'm going to say this. It doesn't begin in the external. It begins in the internal world. See, the Pharisees had a problem. And Jesus had more combative conversations with the Pharisees than anybody else. Because they were legalistic, but they lacked spiritual life within them. They lacked that spiritual life. Legalism is rooted in the fleshly attempts to change other people. It's rooted in domination. Having dominion and domination are not the same. 
Galatians 3, 1 through 3. So Paul encounters this. After these Galatians become believers, now Judaizers want to come and say, we're going to change what you are externally. You have to be circle. You have to do these certain things. And Paul says, no, that's not how it works. It's Christ in you. Galatians 3, 1 through 3, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Let me say this. Being a true witness to the world, whether it's your family, your neighbors, your co-workers, your community, is not about legalism. It's about having the inner flow of the Holy Spirit coming from your depths. See, it's easier to change the external. See, our culture, let me say this, our culture is all about presentation. It's all about presentation over content. And the Lord Jesus is all about content. Well, he describes it. He describes it in John 7, 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, not externals we're going to change. He says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. It's about, I'm going back to the same thing, overflow in the Holy Spirit. It's about fullness in the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to say this, when you are walking in the spirit, you don't go after the externals. What, when you walk in the Spirit, you say, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? What do you see? How do, you know what? Many times, what people, what, what they look like externally, whatever bondage, you can maybe look at them and you can see that they have bondage. But I'm going to say this. It has nothing really to do with the external. Well, really, it has to do with this, their internal world, something that's going on there. And if you go after, the world wants you to go after the externals. I'm going to say this. The enemy wants you to go after the externals. He wants you to go after the externals so that you come across legalistic and judgmental. Rather than saying, you know what, I'm Lord, let me see with your eyes into this person to love them. To speak the words of life. To speak the words of truth. Show me how to love them. Show me how to, to have your Holy Spirit on my life in such a way that they're attracted to me. That they're not condemned, but they will feel conviction. There's a difference. Condemned means you're, that's who you are and it can't change. Conviction means, oh, you know what? I think something's wrong here. Something wrong here. Beware of legalism because it's a false form of power. Because we, what we do, we replace legalism for not walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's a cheap trick. It's a cheap way to create change. But it's not authentic. 
Oh, it's getting quiet here now. You know, like, okay, well. See, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You have the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you can be an overcomer. You can be an overcomer and the greatest The greatest impact you're going to have with other people is their admiration of how you overcome. Let me just say it that way. They watch your life, and they see that you're an overcomer. It doesn't mean you don't face problems, battles, struggles, hurts. But in that, you're an overcomer. And that's the impact that you make on other people. They have admiration. And not only that, they reach out to you because they desire the same thing. See, we have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be more than conquerors. We're called to overflow and we're called to overthrow the enemy. But you will face things. You will face problems. You will face pain. You will face uncertainty. You will face things you don't understand. You will. So will your children. You cannot prevent that from happening. We live in a broken world. But in the midst of that, you have the Holy Spirit that will not fail you. Romans 8.26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, what? In all things, how much? All things, 100%, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose for those God foreknew he predestined and to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified you will face things you do not know what to do with but you have the Holy Spirit as you go into 2024 you have a choice to turn to the Holy Spirit and have him fill you just as the scripture says when you face things. Or you have the choice to return to old ways of handling it. Old addictions, old temptations, old fleshly behaviors. And those things, you have a choice. But those turning to those old things does not create overcoming power. Turning to those old things does not evict the enemy from that place he's trying to dwell in. You have, every believer has the opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, come now. Fill me. Speak through me. Regarding this situation, you have a choice. And that choice will direct what happens. Your choice will direct 
whether you're going to be an overcomer. And I want to say this, beware of returning to old ways. Beware of returning to old addictions. Beware as a believer of returning to fleshly things. Because even Jesus said, listen, you've been wiped clean. Your house has been wiped clean. Now fill it with the Holy Spirit. But if you don't fill it with the Holy Spirit and you leave it vacant, what can happen? What can happen is seven spirits worse than that can fill you. Fill you. I'm using that as an illustration to say beware of returning to things that you once were freed from. Oh, Lord. I want to say that again. Because so many Christians, I'm free. They're in love with Jesus. They're, they're walking in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they begin to creep back to emptiness. And then when the problem comes, rather than going and saying, fill me, Holy Spirit, they go back to what they used to do and then wonder why it's so tough to break off that fleshly behavior. When, when they first became a believer, it was easy. See, the Lord has set you up. Worship team, come on up here. The Lord has set you up. To overthrow the enemy. The Lord has set you up to be more than a conqueror. But you've got to believe that. First of all, if, if anything, if you don't believe that, you're, gonna, you're going to respond just like the world responds. But if you believe and you say, Lord, I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to stand on what you said. I may not feel like it. I may feel like I'm wiped out physically with emotional energies gone, but I'm going to stand on your word because you have said to me that I have power and authority to overthrow the enemy in this area of my life, in this situation. I partner with you. There is nothing that you can't do. There's nothing that you can, can't get rid of, that you can't cleanse, that you can't free, that you can't heal, that you can't save. There's no pain in my life that you can't heal or restore. You said all things work together for good. I may not understand how this is going to work together for good in this moment, but I stand on your word. I reject bitterness. I reject unforgiveness. I reject offense. I stand on your word. I want you to stand. Romans 8, 31 through 39 says this. Life in the Spirit, life in the Spirit produces overcoming more than conquerors. Yes, you will face problems. Yes, you will face trials. Yes, you will face persecution. Yes, you will face those things. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Some of you, that's a three, that's a four-word thing as you go into 2024. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are more than a conqueror. Now, as you go into 2024, what you have to say. I'm going in as more than a conqueror. I choose to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. The way that I think about my circumstance, the way that I think about the challenge, the way that I think about the problem, the way that I think about the hurt, the way that I think about the pain, Lord, I'm going to be seated with you in heavenly places and I'm not going to allow the enemy to creep in with his lie to creep in with his deception to creep in with trying to to uh, encourage me to act fleshly but I'm going to say I am seated with Christ in heavenly places Lord this is our problem and Lord I want to do it the way you want me to do it I want to be used by you I want to have your mind I want to have your love. I want to have your peace. I want to have your boldness. I want to believe, Lord, even when my emotions are all over the place. Lord, I will believe. I will believe what your word says. For your word is truth. The whole of your word is truth. I don't cherry pick, Lord. The whole of your word is truth. And Lord, if I am functioning in the flesh, if I'm reaching for old stuff, stuff that you have freed me from, I will respond to your Holy Spirit. I will respond to the conviction because I'm going to move forward. So shall your strength be. So shall your strength be according to your days. It's strength the Lord has for you. Jesus, your forerunner. Jesus, your example. Jesus, the one that overcame it all. And he did it for us. He did it for us. He did it for us. He did it for 2023 going into 2024. The storms may go around us. of our times because he's in us Holy Spirit 
hardest areas of our life is our mindsets, is our belief systems. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The Lord wants you to be full. He doesn't want you filled with other things. He doesn't want you to be empty. He wants you to be filled, to be filled with him, to be filled with his spirit, to be filled with his presence, to be filled with his love, to be filled with his peace, to be filled with great expectations, to be filled with faith in what he can do. The Lord is looking for a people. He's calling out his children from nominal Christianity. He's calling his children out of compromised Christianity. He's calling out his children from serving other gods, competing with him. Competing with him. Your affections competing. And the Lord says, I will have no other God before me. I will have no other God before me. The Lord says, I'm going to order your steps, but you've got to have uncompromised obedience. Uncompromised obedience. The Lord is bringing his children into a, a, an obedience that is not questioned. Jesus. 
church and religion and, and boxed in thinking and checking off the box and doing our own thing. We're relinquishing that and we're saying, fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us like you did your disciples on the day of Pentecost. Fill us like you filled Peter on the day of Pentecost. Fill us, Lord, like you did your children on the day of Pentecost. And they went out with fire on their heads. And they touched people and they were healed. And then people heard their message and were saved. They said, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Because of what they saw in the lives of the believers. Lord, do that in our day. Do that, Lord. In our day, this church cries out to you. These leaders cry out to you. These people cry out to you. Oh, bro. 
walk in your obedience. I'm going to walk in your spirit. I'm going to crucify the flesh that gets in the way, Lord. Lord, I'm going to walk in that anointing that you paid for as a perfect sacrifice, as a forerunner. Lord, you paid for it. You paid for us. So now, Lord, we can walk in it. a business maybe it's if I feel a lot of career types of things the Lord is just saying a lot of people I just feel like a career decisions or career open doors business decisions those types of things and the Lord is saying you are asking me for an outcome listen very carefully but the Lord says you've got to to trust me 
with the process. You've got to trust me with the step. You've got to trust me to order your steps because the Lord says the way that I'm going to do it would be different than the way that you would choose to do it and would be different than what people would advise you to do it. But the Lord says, I know the beginning from the end. I'm the only one that has all of the facts. I'm the only one that has all the information. And the Lord says, you've prayed for the outcome. But the Lord says, you've got to trust me and have unwavering obedience for the process. Ordering your steps, ordering your steps, ordering your steps. And the Lord says, I want to give you supernatural confidence to do it different than what people have told you to do it. Listen. The Lord says, I want to give you supernatural confidence to do it differently than what the world would tell you, what the experts would tell you, what other people would tell you. The Lord says, do it the way I tell you to do it. And he's reminding me of Jericho. And he says, regarding Jericho, there was no battle plan ever like Jericho. But the only way to bring down Jericho was to follow God's plan. It didn't make sense in the physical realm. But it was unwavering obedience that brought down Jericho. Joshua surrendered to the Lord, to the angel of the Lord. He took off his shoes. He said, this is holy ground. He received the message of God, and he walked out the strategy that God has had given to him to bring down Jericho. And the, and the testimony of Jericho still lives on today. Yes. The testimony of Jericho still lives on today because Joshua and the army of Israel way, way, did not waver in their obedience. There's some of you that the Lord is saying, I'm going to tell you how to do it. You've prayed for the outcome. But I'm going to order your steps. I'm going to tell you how to do it. There's some of you, the Lord is going to tell you how to love people around you that aren't serving the Lord. And what he means by that is you have loved them, but you've done it in your own strength and in your own wisdom. And the Lord says, I want to show you how to love them in a way, this is his word, in a way that will bring them freedom. Ooh. I want to teach you how to love them in a way that's going to bring them freedom. We all have people in our lives that may be wayward, not serving God, left the things of God, maybe never have been a believer. We all have people, and the Lord is saying to this house, to this church, He wants to bring people to know Him, and He's going to show us 
That's why we got to be in the overflow of the things of the Spirit. Because He's going to show us how to love them. And, and the Lord is saying, you ask me, how should I love them? Show me, Lord, how to love them. In what way should I love them? And only by your power, Lord. Only by your agape love. Lord, and, and the Lord says, love them as I have told you to love them. And it will bring about freedom for them. Holy Spirit, those of you that says, you know what, there's people, I need that word. I want you to raise your hand. We all, I know that word's for me too. Lord, right now, for those of us, we want to see people come to know you. We want people to be free from the bondage of the enemy. We want people to know you in, in a love relationship with you, in a life-giving relationship with you. And Lord, you want us not to love them only merely in ourselves, but Lord, you want to teach us to love them with such a love and a power behind that love that it will break off bondages that actually cause their thoughts to be... Uh, to be triggered to, to, to receive your word, to, to listen to the word of life, to receive the message that you're wanting to give to them, that they are loved by you, that they're created by you, that you have uh, beautiful things for their lives, that you want to free them from those things that are holding them captive. Lord, I pray for a baptism of love over this house a baptism of your love as we go into 2024 may this house be such a house of love that chains are broken we do not grace people into bondage but rather love them into freedom freedom to truly receive grace truly receive the freedom that you pay for for 2023 we thank you for every valley we thank you for every mountain we thank you Lord for every challenge because in it you created a muscle in us and Lord what you're saying to us keep moving forward I got more for you I've got increase so Lord as we leave this house and we go into our New Year's Eve Lord we go anointed by your presence and we thank you, Lord, for meeting us here today in your name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Enjoy your celebration. If you're still waiting for prayer, please receive that prayer time. God bless you. You said.